Hi, this is Nathan. Before we get to the episode, I want to invite you to join me on an incredible adventure this November of 2024. I am taking a small group of believers to Turkey, what the New Testament called Asia Minor, for a 12-day Bible study tour of the early church. We'll be studying the book of Acts and many of the epistles on location as we visit ancient cities like Ephesus, Laodicea, Heropolis, Antioch, Pergamum, and many more. If you are interested in joining me this November for a once-in-a-lifetime adventure as we study where much of the New Testament and early church took place, you can learn more by going to deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. And if you're interested, don't delay. Spots are limited and on a first-come, first-served basis, and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 42 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to look at one of the names of God and discuss the fact that God is a God who loves to heal. Let's dive in. Well, first off, happy Reformation. Now, as of this release, yesterday was the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. On October 31st, 500 years ago, Luther walked up to the door and nailed the 95 Thesis to it. What a phenomenal heritage and, and just change and just transformation, literally a reformation that God has really done over these last 500 years. And I don't know about you, but, but my prayer lately is that God would do a new reformation specifically in America. In short, we need revival. The way our culture is just becoming so dark and just celebrating the just the works of evil, you recognize that we need another transformation. We need a reformation of the church today. Not to some newfangled thing, but back to the old ways of scripture, almost like what Luther was doing 500 years ago. He was calling the church back to the word of God. And that's really what we need today. Well, regardless, happy 500th anniversary to the Protestant Reformation. What a phenomenal heritage that we get to live in. Well, on to today's episode. I want to look at one of the names of God. Now, if you've never studied the names of God, I highly encourage you to do so. There's something profound as you as you walk through the Old Testament and just see how God has revealed himself through his names. Now, you may know this, but names in the Old Testament go beyond just a name. For example, in you know in today's culture, a lot of times we just say, well, yeah, let's let's call the kid Bob or Susie or Mark or Bart or whatever. But you realize that in the Old Testament specifically, a name was more than just a name. See, a name bespoke of someone's character, their nature, their attitude, their their very makeup, their life. So here is God, and He says, "Hey, I want to let you know, I am," and then He gives a name, and you realize that it's not just a name. But it's bespeaking of his character and his nature and, and how he's operating in the world today. Now, what is so marvelous about all the names of God is that they all climax and they all find their, their fruition in the person of Jesus. That when you look at Jesus, who is God made flesh, he is the summation of every name of God. 
Why? Because he is the very nature and the character of God himself. Well, I want to look at one of those names with you. And that name is Jehovah Rapha. And it means the God who heals. It's interesting, this name only shows up one time in scripture. Now, the word Rapha, which means to heal, shows up in a variety of places. But the but the the name Jehovah Rapha only shows up one time, and it's in Exodus chapter 15. Now, in Exodus chapter 15, Moses just brought the Israelites out of the uh, out of Egypt. They're in the wilderness, and here they are. They're just desperate for water. Now, I want to read this passage to you, and then I'll come back to it later in the episode. But in Exodus chapter 15, starting in verse 22, it says this. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness, and they found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And if you did a study, the word Marah obviously means bitter. Verse 24 says, And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So Moses cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. Now get this. For I am the Lord who heals you. For I am Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Do you realize that God loves to heal? The first instance in scripture that I can find of healing taking place is actually in Genesis chapter 2. Now, it's kind of a bizarre passage, and it doesn't speak of healing specifically, but it's presumed. See, here's a garden scene, and, and God puts Adam into a deep sleep, and he takes the rib out of Adam, and he, he makes Eve. Now, it obviously is presumed, then, that he healed up the side of Adam. Now, it doesn't say that, obviously, but it would be a presumption. I think it probably a good one. Well, as you walk through the Old Testament, so, you know, after, after Genesis 2, you have the fall in Genesis 3. And then after that, you begin to just notice that there is this, this propensity or this flow or this, this, this tone where over and over and over again, God begins to do these miracles. That there's this physical and emotional and spiritual healing taking place. In fact, there's this ra- uh, raising people from the dead kind of thing on occasion. And, and as, as you come thundering into the New Testament, what you find is that here is Jesus, who is God made flesh, you know, as Colossians 2.9 says, that that in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Or as one of my favorite passages, Hebrews 1.3, declares that Jesus, who is the brightness of God's glory and the express image of his person. So, so here is Jesus, God in the flesh, and what do you see him doing? Wow, he's just going berserko with this miracles, wonders, and signs kind of thing. See, he just... He just loves healing. In fact, it seems that every person that is brought to him for healing, he heals. John summarizes the whole ministry of Jesus at the end of the book of John. John says this in John 20, verse 30. He says, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. A chapter later in chapter 21, he says, and there are also many other things that Jesus did which if they were written one by one, 
I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Do you realize that Jesus just went out of his way and just did miracle after miracle? He healed this person. He healed this person, this lame man, this deaf person, this blind person. Jesus loved to heal. Uh, Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, when, when Isaiah is talking about the future Messiah and what the future Messiah was going to do, he says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he, speaking of Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 61, 1 says, the spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Do you realize that Jesus, God in the flesh, was a healer? Now, I understand there's a lot of debate of whether or not healing is still for today. That we see it in the Old Testament a little bit. We see it a lot in the New Testament. But is it for today? And that's not the discussion of this podcast, or at least this episode. I just want you to get this idea that God loves to heal. Now, obviously, that's not the whole thrust of Scripture, but that is a part of what Scripture reveals. And in other words, it, I wouldn't say it's the, the number one thing we should be focusing on when we study Scripture. And yet it seems to be pretty clear that all throughout Scripture, we see God who is a healer. Uh, let me just read you a few of the Psalms that just bespeak of this idea of healing. Now, there's this idea of physical healing, which you know we understand, but do you realize there's even more than that that God likes to heal? That God deals with the emotional side of life, and primarily he deals with the spiritual side of life. Well, listen to these. Psalm 103, verse 2 through 5 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalm 147 verse 3 says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Psalm 41.4 says, I cried out, Lord, be merciful to me. Heal my soul, for I have sinned against you. Speaking of spiritual sickness, this idea of sin, that God really wants to bring about healing for our spiritual sickness called sin. And what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross. Why? So that he could bring life in the midst of death, that he could bring healing in the midst of the destruction that sin causes. Jeremiah 3 verse 22 says, return you backsliding children and I will heal your backslidings. That, it's interesting that word backslidings literally means to turn away or apostasy or backslide or to rebel. In short, God through the mouth of Jeremiah is saying, hey, return you rebellious children and I will heal your rebellion. Isn't that a phenomenal promise that God wants to heal the rebellion, the sin, the destruction that holds that has a hold on our life. Why? He's a God who loves to heal. Take a moment and just look at your life. Do you have areas that God needs to heal? Now, I'm not just talking physical, though, hey, I think that's still relevant for today. That if God doesn't change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he loves to heal as revealed in the scripture 
Well, then I would argue, well, he must still love to heal. But regardless of where you want to stand on the physical healing side of things, do you recognize that the emotional areas of your life God wants to deal with? Do you recognize that those areas that are sin scarred or twisted in your life that God wants to deal with, that he doesn't want you to remain as you are, that he wants to untwist the twistedness, that he really wants to bring about restoration in the midst of your rebellion, that he wants you to live in the forgiveness and the redemption that he has purchased upon the cross. I want you to go back to that Exodus chapter 15 passage. Uh, here's Moses. They just came out, uh, passed through the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness. They're, they're desperate for water. And here's all the Israelites and scholars estimate there's probably somewhere between one and two million Israelites at this point. And here they are. They're just desperate for water. And they look at Moses and they're, they're grumbling and they're complaining, saying, hey, what shall we drink? And so Moses cries out to the Lord. Now get this. There's water there, but they can't drink it. Well, why not? Oh, it's bitter waters which is why they called it Mara, which means bitter. So there is something there, but it's undrinkable. It's twisted. It's, it's, it's not pure. It's, it's not sustainable. It's not, uh, it's not appropriate. It's, it's not, hey, it's not as it should be. That, that I, I, can't, I, I can't satisfy the, the, the necessity that I have in my life. Why? Because the water that is there is, is all bitter. Now get this. This is so phenomenal to me. In verse 25, Moses cries out to the Lord. Now get this. And the Lord showed him a tree. I don't think that's by accident. In fact, I actually think this is a phenomenal Christophany. It's a, it's a picture of Jesus and his redeeming work upon a cross. So here's his bitter waters and God shows him a tree. And Moses really takes a tree and he throws it into the midst of the bitter waters and the bitter waters, verse 25, are made not just pure, but sweet. Have you ever tasted such pure, clean water that it becomes sweet? Uh, I'm, I probably shouldn't admit to this, but I'm really finicky about the water that I drink. I'm not a fan of water from the faucet. I just, ugh, just nasty. I just don't like it at all. In fact, I'm really even particular about um, even I don't just do bottled water. There's specific kinds of water that I will drink. And uh, in fact, a good friend of mine recently installed a water purifier system in my sink. And oh, the water that comes out is so clean and is so refreshing. It's almost, well, it's sweet. In fact, I love drinking water. Why? Because the water is so clean and so revitalizing and just it is it just has a great taste. See, that's what's going on in this passage. See, the water was bitter. The water was polluted. The water was just putrid. And yet when, when, when Moses plants a tree smack dab in the middle of the bitter waters, the bitter waters become sweet. Wouldn't that be amazing if that's what Jesus wants to do in your life? See, God looked at this whole scene and said, do you know who I am? I am the Lord who heals. That I am Jehovah Rapha. And Lily, my desire is to literally come and plant a cross in the midst of your bitter waters and turn what was bitter sweet. See, I, I think this is a phenomenal Christophany in, in the book of Exodus. Why? Because that's what God's doing in our life. 
Do, do you realize that Jesus and his work upon the cross is, is bringing about healing and salvation and sanctification in our lives? That, that what he's desiring to do is to take those areas of twistedness and begin to untwist them. That, that he wants to take those areas of bitterness and make them not just clean, but sweet. So here's a question for you. What areas of your life are bitter? What, what areas of your life are twisted? What, what areas of your life are not as they should be? And yeah, they may be some physical things, but, but look at your spiritual and your emotional life. See, see, are there areas, are there emotions, are there thought processes? Is there sin dwelling in your life? Are there, well, I've had this habit for year after year after year, and I can't seem to get free of this. See, I've been twisted. I've been, man, I've just been polluted. Man, my whole life is just putrid. Wow, my life is, is bitter waters. I could look at you square in the eye and say, oh, friend, do you recognize that God is a God who loves to heal. And what he wants to do is to march into your life and plant a tree called the cross and really make your bitter waters sweet. What a phenomenal reality. And God says, you know who I am? I am Jehovah Rapha. Is that true in your life? Could could someone look at your life and say, wow, God is a healer. Something I've been pondering just freshly recently is this idea that, that if my life is not demonstrating that reality, that he is Jehovah Rapha, do you realize that what I'm proclaiming with my life to the world is that, that when I live in sin and defeat and emotional turmoil and depression and my life lacks joy and life and love, what it's declaring to the world is that God is not a healer, that he can't fix anybody. See, if, if I stand up and say, woo, I'm a Christian, but then when people look at my life, they all they see is the twistedness and the perverseness and the impurity and the and just the emotional turmoil and the depression and the and the junk. See, the thought is, well, if God can't fix that of your life, well, obviously he's not gonna be able to fix my issues. And so why why would I want to why would I want to cling to him? Why would I want to run? Why would I want to give my life to Jesus if he can't fix those areas of your life? See, wouldn't it be amazing if my life was merely a declaration of the fact that God is a healer? In fact, he loves to heal. And all those twisted areas of my life and all the perverseness and all the impurity and all the depression and all the lack of joy and all the lack of love and all the lack of Jesus in my life would somehow be reversed, that I would be untwisted. All the all the destructive things that the enemy has sought sought to do in my life. Hey, all the past abuse. Hey, all the past sin. All the past junk that I either caused or has been that that it happened to me. Somehow, God would reach into the middle of my life, and He would begin to untwist that which has been twisted. That He would begin to heal the emotional turmoil. That He began to change and renew the thinking of my mind. That He would somehow change my attitude and the way that I speak and the the way that my perspective and the way that I see people. That that He would. Die Dive down deep and change my heart and the way that I that I feel toward other people. That God would somehow, in the midst of my defeat and my habits and my addictions, that God would somehow break the chains of all of that and bring forth life. Wouldn't it be amazing if someone could look at you and say, Whoa, God is a healer. Man, if, if he could heal that area of your life, I, I desperately need Jesus in my life. 
Why? Because I have areas of twistedness. I have areas of destruction. I have habits that I just cannot get over. Wow, my life is full of bitter waters. And how is your life so sweet? Oh, you look at them and smile and say, wow, there was a tree planted in the midst of the bitter waters of my life. Is that true in you? And could I encourage you, would you go after Jesus afresh today? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to bring forth any conviction in any area of your life? And if he brings something, if he even begins to to bring up even just this small little twist or perverseness or impurity or uh, depression or a lack of joy or whatever that may be in your life, pride or arrogance or whatever, even if there's just a little tiny twistedness in your life, would you let God be Jehovah Rapha and untwist that which has been twisted? Would you let him deal with your habits and your addictions and and your junk and your whatever? In fact, would you let him take this bitter waters of your life, plant a tree called the cross and bring forth life from it? And if you say, well, I have a horrible past. You, You just don't understand. You know, such and such happened to me and such and such happened to me and, and so-and-so did this to me. Can I, can I tell you, God is a healer and he wants to march into your abuse. He wants to march into your destruction. He wants to march into hey, the, the verbal destruction that people has caused. He wants to march into every single thing that's happened in your past and bring forth healing. Why? Because he is Jehovah Rapha. And again, that name is Lee. Uh, climax, it's summarized, it finds its fulfillment in Jesus. Jesus is longing to restore that which has been broken down. Jesus is just desperate to get a hold of every area of your life. Would you let him do that in you? Would you would you just let him radically grab a hold of you and change you and transform you into the image and likeness of himself? Oh, I want that for you. I want Jesus to plant his cross smack dab in the middle of your life so that your life is no longer considered bitter or twisted. It is considered sweet. (sighs) Will you run after him? Would you get on your face and repent? Would you let him restore every area of your life? Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Deeper Christian Podcast. I truly desire to help you build your life around Jesus Christ. That really is just a driving passion for me and why I even run the Deeper Christian website. See, everything I'm doing is I'm trying to help equip you to see Jesus as he is, to dive deep into the word of God and truly to build your life upon and around him. So if you haven't checked it out, I would encourage you to look at the hundreds and hundreds of resources that are available for free at deeperchristian.com. And for the show notes for this episode, including an outline and links to other resources and articles, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 42 for episode number 42. And I know I've asked this before, but if you found value in this podcast, could I encourage you to go and leave a ratings and review on iTunes, which is now called Apple Podcasts? See, iTunes uses these star ratings and reviews as a way to get the podcast in front of other people. So when you subscribe to the podcast and when you leave a rating and a review, it actually tells iTunes, well, this must be something to listen to. So if you think other people should be listening to this podcast and and getting the truths that we're walking through week by week, 
then I would encourage you to not only subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, but please go leave leave a rating and review on that page. Now, for a link directly to that, there's one in the show notes you can find. Well, until next time, know I am cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.